Azarius Capital Management is an independent investment advisor registered with the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. This podcast is being provided for information purposes only, and it does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any interest in any fund managed by Azarius. Any such offer or solicitation will be made only by means of a confidential private offering memorandum. Welcome to a special edition of the Zarius Capital Management Uranium Podcast Series. Coming into 2020, we were very bullish on uranium based on our forecast for a supply shortfall beginning as early as 2021. But COVID-19 has upended the entire global economy, so it's a reasonable question to ask how that might impact our uranium thesis. As always with a commodity cycle, the answers can be found by looking at any changes in both supply and demand. And today's episode is dedicated to answering those questions. I'm Darren Heitman, the founder of Azarius Capital Management, and I'm joined by my colleague and partner, Chris Gillespie. COVID is the big news. Uh, It has been the big news so far in 2020, obviously, and it has had different impacts on different commodities. Let's just start with demand. So Chris, it's pretty well known right now that the world is in the midst of a COVID-generated economic recession. And the only question is how long will it last and what does the slope of recovery look like? And that generally would disrupt a commodity-related supply and demand thesis, which is what our uranium thesis is, highly dependent on a supply deficit that we expect to play out over the next year or two. Usually, a bull thesis is disrupted because of a recession-related decline in demand. So what is our view of the impact of COVID in a global recession on our demand estimates? We don't see a huge negative effect to demand for uranium as a result of COVID. Uranium is baseload electricity, so that means it runs 24-7. It's very reliable. It's also very inexpensive on a variable cost basis, so it's not going to be at the high end of energy sources that are going to be cut. For example, here in the U.S., as energy demand declined as a result of COVID, saw very large cuts to coal-fired electricity, but much smaller cuts to nuclear-fired electricity. So there are certain instances like, say, France, where they get 70% plus of their electricity from nuclear. They're going to see a hit just because most of their power comes from nuclear and, and uh, energy demand is down. But you know, overall, we would not expect to see a very large hit to uranium demand, maybe low single-digit type numbers. We think demand is going to remain fairly strong that's very positive when we compare that to other commodities. And I guess part of that story is, in addition to nuclear being base load capacity, there are also eight new nuclear power plants going to come online this year. So that increases demand as well. So electricity consumption is economically sensitive. There's less industrial activity, mostly, and that decreases the demand for electricity. As you just said, most of that's absorbed by other fuel types, primarily coal and natural gas. So in the past, what happened in nuclear power generation in other recessions, particularly 2008, which is a pretty severe global recession? Yeah, so we've gone back and looked at effects on demand to nuclear power over the last three global recessions. And on average, actually, demand went up because, as I said before, it's much more a story of whether there's new plants coming online as opposed to nuclear demand being affected by a recession. Because, like I said, these are low cost. They put out a lot of cheap energy. So they're, they're designed to run under almost 
almost all circumstances. So in the past recessions, in most cases, there was actually new supply of nuclear reactors coming online. So that outweighed sort of the minor negatives to demand as a result of an economic slowdown. In 2008, there was actually a decline, but we think that's more explained by some sort of specific closures that happened as a result of countries entering the EU and things like that. Just overall, in a basic recession, demand for uranium as a result of nuclear power has increased over the last three recessions. So again, just sort of highlighting the fact that it is base load power that is designed to run at the bottom of the stack. So going into the COVID crisis, we expected consumption to be around 190 million pounds in 2020? Yeah, that's right. And so our new estimate is 185, 190? Yeah, something like that, I would say. Basically cutting around 5 million pounds of consumption out. And in terms of what we already know, France announced that they were going to cut back on their electricity generation in 2020 as a result of a decrease in demand because of their policy. They they actually spread out that impact across their entire fleet of generators, regardless of fuel type. Basically, yeah, I think that that's what they try to do for the most part, yes. And so that's why France in particular is going to generate less electricity from nuclear power plants, but it's not really because the nuclear power plants are vulnerable. It's just, as I said, they spread it out across their fleet. And that's really where most of that consumption decline occurs. Is that yeah. pretty fair? Yeah. All right. So, so a little bit of an impact, you know, a couple percent impact on our demand model. But now let's talk about supply because when it's all said and done, COVID actually is very supportive of our bullish thesis, which requires a supply deficit in the next couple of years. We already defined that the demand risk is maybe 5 million pounds, but that's more than offset by what we already know the supply impact will be. So maybe walk through some of the biggest news items that we've had year to date and quantify what that's doing to supply. We've seen so far in late March, Cameco announced a four-week shutdown of Cigar Lake that then in April they extended to indefinite, and that's a 1.5 million pound a month mine, 18 million pounds a year. And so that's been closed for three months now, so that's four and a half million plus pounds of production that has not happened. And then also in early April, Kazatomprom, the Kazakh miner, announced that in order to comply with the country's lockdown, they were gonna have to stop well formation. And so they predicted that that was gonna result in about a 10 million pound reduction in supply out of Kazakhstan for 2020. So right there, there's about 15 million pounds that have already gone away from our original estimate of about 135 million pounds of production for 2020 out of the mines. Namibia also had a shutdown, and I think that was about a month, although we haven't heard if they've reopened or not. So that would affect the Husab mine and the Rossing mine. Put together, that's probably maybe 15 million pounds. So that'd be another one, one and a half million pounds a month as well. We've already seen somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 million pounds of supply that has been taken off the market this year. And then, you know, as we look forward, Cameco has not made an announcement that they're going to restart Cigar Lake. It seems unlikely that they're going to open that until circumstances around the coronavirus change. So as long as that stays closed, that's another one and a half million pounds a month. And then Kazakhstan is actually seeing a ramping up of cases again. I think their story seems fairly similar to the U.S. Again, my guess is that, that the things that they shut down are, are unlikely to open, at least for the next four weeks and probably longer than that. And so if we take the run rate that they gave us, it could be higher because their annual production is more than 40 million pounds. But 
if we just say that three months equals 10 million pounds. So every month that that's shut down, that's probably another three, three and a half million pounds. So if we look at it going forward, as long as Kazatomprom and Cigar Lake stay closed, you know, that's probably another five million pounds a month that doesn't get produced. We actually don't know what's going on in Namibia. There's no information. I'm assuming that that reopened, but I don't know. So we're down 15 to 20 million pounds. And, you know, that's going to continue at a rate of 5 million pounds a month until we hear that Cigar Lake and Kazatoprom are back. Right. I think you did a great job of explaining it, but I just want to reiterate that 20 million pounds that we've taken out of our supply model for 2020 is not an annualized number. That's how much we know is already not produced relative to expectations. And then if nothing changed between now and the end of the year, that's another 30 or 40 million pounds that won't be produced. So our demand model would go down by another 30, 30 million, million on a base again of 135 million. So, you know, you're getting up to, if these don't reopen 45, 50 million pounds shut down on 135 million. So that's a significant substantial hit to mine production. So there's two impacts from that. So one is just purely psychological and now, now I'm just speculating, but this supply disruption an unexpected supply disruption could potentially make the utilities look at their forward contracted book and be nervous about it. It could just change the psychology of the marketplace and participants might start to get a little bit more worried and maybe even in a really bullish case, panicked about securing future needs. From a modeling standpoint, the quantitative standpoint is that we went into this year thinking that there was excess inventory, which is why the price was still low, but we had a model that showed that we would work through that excess inventory based on our pre-COVID predictions by, uh, say, the middle of 2021, maybe the end of 2021, if uh, we want to be conservative. So with this 20 to maybe 60 million pounds of production that did not occur, that just pulls everything forward. And I guess to quantify that, we entered this year thinking that maybe there was 100 million pounds of excess inventory in the world. It depends on how you want to look at it. But if you assume that half of the Japanese buildup post Fukushima was sort of available out there, that would have put it the peak at 90 million pounds of available inventory, mobile inventory. We thought that actually there was about 50 million pounds left. And we thought we were going to go through 25 to 30. Now with this 20 gone, we now think that that mobile inventory will be used up by the end of this year. And then if these mines don't reopen, that means it's going to be used up before the end of this year. So sometime in the back half of 2020. Right. This really pulls forward the depletion of the excess inventory that we had estimated was out there. Now, that, unfortunately, that's not a really pinpointed figure. So we still could be wrong. Maybe we underestimate how much inventory was out there, but regardless of the accuracy of our estimate, we know that we're at least 20 to 60 million pounds closer to the depletion of that inventory. And so it just makes our margin for error even better. And looking out to 2021, because of the way that Kazakhs get uranium through the ISR mining process, 2021 production from Kazakhstan will likely be impacted by what's happening today. Yeah, I think, I guess it's important to point out that the 10 million in cuts that the Kazakhs announced actually doesn't take effect. Uh, until right about now, actually. So I think they have three-month lead time where they do the well field activity, which then allows them to, to produce there. So they stopped the well field activity three months ago. So once they announce they're going to go back to business as usual, it's going to be 
at least three months time going forward before they can get back to production again. So if this lasts beyond the end of the third quarter, their production is going to be impaired into 2021. And then the last detail that I thought was worth expanding on was that Cameco shut in their MacArthur River mine, an 18 million pound mine in 2018, based on the economics of the industry. So they said, until we can sign long-term contracts to produce uranium from this mine, that's attractive. And they've said very publicly that we have to be at least in the 40s to even consider it. We're not going to start up MacArthur River. So that's shut-in capacity, unrelated to COVID. But Cigar Lake, another huge mine, also 18 million pounds, again, 10% of global supply. They shut that in because they're trying to protect the indigenous population from COVID and their workers. So the decision to close it was COVID related, but the decision to reopen it could be exactly the same as MacArthur River. So they'll, they'll reopen it when the price justifies it. I don't think they've said that explicitly, but they've come really, really close. That's a big deal too. So it's kind of COVID related, but it's also supply that's offline potentially until prices recover. So there's a lot of tailwinds to the price going up. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, when you think about this situation, it's not that dissimilar from the situation in the 2000s that led to the bull market there. What happened was Cameco was about to bring Cigar Lake on and the mine flooded. And that led to a much longer closure, and the market did know that. But still, it led to the situation that you were talking about earlier, where utilities started to panic about their sources of supply. And we don't know exactly where the inventory levels are, but if our numbers are in the ballpark, we think there are going to be some people that are going to be scrambling for inventory relatively soon. Yeah, and now I'm really getting off the uh, specific topic of COVID, but I get fired up when we talk about this, because the last time there was a bull market, yes, it was because Cigar Lake flooded, And that was an an anticipated new supply that went away and people panicked and the price skyrocketed. But in that year, the industry still expected some two very large incremental sources of supply. That was also the period where the Kazakhs were ramping up. Now, maybe the market was skeptical of the Kazakhs eventual production capacity. So that might've played into the bull market. Yeah. But it was during that period that, you know, they added 30 million pounds to the market on an annualized basis. Right. But I bring up both of those things that the visibility to incremental supply at the beginning in the midst of that bull market was way, way better than it is today. I mean, we know about the shut-in capacity, but after the shut-in capacity, there is no really big source of incremental supply for the next seven, eight years. Yeah, that's right. That's going to be a problem, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love it. I mean, that, that's probably a good place to start because it's definitely off the subject of COVID. So to wrap up COVID, there might be some demand destruction. I wouldn't be surprised if actually consumption is flat because France's decrease could be offset by the eight new reactors that are coming online or more. And regardless of what happens on the demand side, we know without any doubt that supply went down more this year. And it's very likely that that's going to be true in 2021 as well. And so it actually supports our bullish thesis. It makes supply even tighter. It actually turned out to be one of the areas that is good. And actually, maybe we should comment on the spot price of uranium, which is somewhat of a proxy. It's not a perfect proxy for supply and demand, but spot has actually done really well this year. Yeah, once these closure announcements came through by Cameco and Kazakhstan, the spot price uranium went from the mid-20s up to 33, 34 level. 
and it's just stayed there. And so the market says, okay, we just lost 15 million pounds. Maybe it's going to be harder to find uranium. And again, it is possible that with the Kazakh supply just starting to be cut here, that could also affect the market because it actually hasn't been a supply cut from Kazakhstan as of yet. It's, it's coming right now. Yeah, and then uh, maybe, at least for me, one final thought on the spot price. I don't think we've even touched on yet, but if the Kazakhs do have a continued decline in their production in the second half of 2020, and we know Cameco is also going to have almost no production in the second half of 2020, the two biggest producers of uranium could be in the spot market trying to buy spot inventory right. to fill their long-term contracts. The spot market isn't really what drives the economics of the uranium industry. We're going to cover that in our next podcast when we talk about long-term contracting. But having said that, sentiment can be driven by what's going on at the spot price. And there might not be enough uranium in the spot market because of what we talked about with inventory. If there's not a lot of excess inventory laying around, which is what our thesis is, Cameco and Kazakhstan both being in the market trying to soak up volume to fulfill their long-term contracts could be a huge deal in the second half of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we already know that Cameco's inventories are extremely low. They've already been in the spot market before they closed Cigar Lake, they were in the spot market. And so that just creates more demand. When your producers are buying instead of selling, that probably is uh, bullish for the price. <laughs> That's right. You're uh, understated as usual. I appreciate that, Chris. Well, I really can't wait to do our uh, our podcast on long-term contracting because that ultimately is why we're so bullish. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but uh, we will go through that. But the whole point is that you look out a few years, there just is simply is not enough uranium supply. And so we'll go through that and why that matters in more detail, why that could matter right now. You know, even if the supply deficit's in 2026, the long-term contracting explains why that matters right now. All right. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. All right. Talk to you later. We hope you're finding these episodes informative and educational and that you join us for the next episode. Keep an eye out for it. Thanks for joining us.